Yo, 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 what is up? And welcome back to the Unfiltered DJ Podcast. This is a place where teens can come and, you know, just feel stress-free. I'm here to be your relatable friend, cousin, brother, whatever you want me to be. But today, um, today this is a different type of, um, today this is just a different type of uh, pretty much um, episode. Um, this is just, today we're going to be talking about um, what's really been going on in the country pretty much, which is pretty much related to Black Lives Matter. Um, but today, it's not just Black Lives Matter. It's a Pacific person's Black Lives Matter because um, Steve Johnson went through something that no one should have went through, incredibly not even right. And I just feel like with the platform I have, with us being both from the same city, this is the platform um, for him to come on and speak about his experience and pretty much just who he is and just to to let us know what else he has coming up. So, without further introduction, we have Steve Johnson here. What's up? What's up? Hey. How are you doing? I'm doing all right right now, man. Um, I had a crazy incident with this white lady down in Palo Alto. She was trying to have her, like, live physically harass me mm. with her bag. She, she actually striked me with her bag. It was... Yeah, that's yeah. We're definitely going to get. I'm definitely going to get into that today. So, um, before we get into that, let let the people know who who is Steve Johnson. What what is he? Is he just you know someone that's from East Palo Like, what does he do? I'm a 17 year old boxer. I'm ranked number six in the U.S. Um, I travel all around, compete against some of the highest level professionals and amateurs across the United States and the world. I've people from Japan. Wow. Wow. Yes. Wow, that's now that's some talent right there. And we're going to get into that later. Um, But now is the time for you to just let free and walk us through what happened to you last week. Okay, so last week I was going for my morning drug as usual. But I had like a weighted backpack on. I was about 15 pounds. And um, I had got to the had got to a major intersection, and I couldn't run the light, so I stayed at the intersection. I waited and I stressed out my leg. But like, mm. if you if I was to look over my right shoulder, there was a lady approaching, and she was yelling like, I don't know if I can cuss on you. Yeah, yeah, she, go ahead. <laughs> she's yelling, get the fuck out the way, get the fuck out the way. Uh huh. And I'm I'm kind of confused, like why is she yelling, get the fuck out the way, right? Because yeah. she's not really looking at me. So I'm thinking she's just loopy. But as she gets closer and she swings over my right side shoulder, she, she um, accuses me of trying to hit her. And this makes me like questionable. So I'm like, why would, why would you assume I tried to hit you? And then she goes on yelling and screaming at me about something. But next to me, there was a nice lady. And she had told me to record because she saw the situation getting very hostile. So I followed what she told me to do. After saying thank you, I started to, I proceeded to record the lady. Um, the white lady that was following me and she got very angry and told me to stop recording her and then she started to yell nonsense things like that I was on top of her telling me to get off of her while I'm clearly walking backwards in the video and she removes the sling she had on her balls of her fist and starts to twirl her bag at my head several times missing few missing most of them but she happened to connect one time um, to like the right side of my head actually and it was just so crazy because after she did it, I told her I was calling the police and she ran away. So while she was running away, I was getting footage from pedestrian viewers that were driving by in their cars yeah. recording so I could have some more evidence, you know, when the police did come. And I had also called my father to find her, 
because she ran down like um, a major street that was pretty easy to find anybody. So she ran down the street. My father found her and contacted the authorities. Once he got, once the, uh, the police got there, um, they separated us across the street, and then I later caught up with them. But the situation was just very was handled very different than I've ever seen. She literally assaulted me, and I'm 17, so I am a minor. Yeah. And my the lady is around. I think I looked at her um, date of birth. She's around 45 or so, right? What? So she, but the police they don't fully detain her in ways that I've seen or experienced in my life. She's not in handcuffs. She's not placed on the floor. She's not told to be quiet. She's just acting freely as if this is just a timeout. And like she did nothing wrong. And so I'm looking at the situation like, what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. I've never seen the police act in this manner, you know? After, especially after someone just striking me with a bag and I have video evidence. But the police come to the conclusion that they can't arrest her for assault. So I'm like, huh? But so they ended up giving me uh, a citizen's arrest paper that I had to sign. And they told her that they told me that they were just going to drop her off somewhere. So after all that, they gave her a ride to wherever she wanted to go. And I just found that like really disgusting. Like, yeah. I, I, you clearly saw me being attacked and threatened. And she, in the video, she numerously said she's going to bash my head. In. So like, I don't know. I just felt really like they were being one-sided and about the whole situation. Although I was the victim, I felt like they 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 overlooked my experience. They did. Um yes. And I actually do recall them um claiming um because um cuz you know with Black Lives Matter, one of the many factors with it is defund the police. And so I watched them on um the Hood Squad's live pretty much say that um, they could not do anything because they were, he was trying to throw shade. He said he, they couldn't do anything pretty much because of that, um, defund the police and that they're, they're short now. And so they couldn't have anyone in the cells, which didn't, um, make any sense. Um, so my question for you was, have you, had you, have you had seen that lady before? Was that your first time? That was my first encounter with that woman. But, um, I have had like, since the video has had numerous media attention, I've had um, about three or four other people tell me that they they have similar incidents with the same woman. And these are the situations I'm talking about. Like, we let this woman just walk freely around these streets acting in disrespectful, inhumane manner. And she only receives minimum punishment because they assume she's crazy. Oh, she doesn't deserve to be put in jail or whatever. Because for whatever reason they feel like, but it's not teaching her any lessons. She continues to harass others, um, telling some of my Hispanic friends to go back, to go back, like if they're not from America. <laughs> they clearly yeah, are, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's so people's parents, um, antagonizing me physically and mentally, you know, that's a moment I have to remember for the rest of my life. And that my mother and my sister and my family is just, they're scarred with it even harder than me, to be honest. Because I'm a pretty strong person, but, like, you know, yeah. it's hard to tell your mother that she can't defend me out in the world like that, you know? Yes. And so I know, like, both as, like, black like black people, black men growing up, um, have you have you already had to, like, um, have those discussions way before you were younger? Like, when your parents was, like, when the cops pull you over, this is what you, like, this is what you should do and stuff like that. And do you feel like 
how do you feel like do you feel like that shouldn't even be a norm in the black community like we should be able to go out and not have to worry about the ingest like you like first of all that lady should have been charged they like it didn't make any sense they were trying to they used every way every which way possible but to take her away and i'm just like yeah so i'm just i don't know how you feel about that I have had those discussions with my parents and family members way before. I have my license, and I've had my license for about a year now. But I've had those discussions since I was about 13, 12, probably. Just knowing that my skin color makes a big difference on how I'm treated, um, especially with the police, and whether they believe my story or not. And I've always been taught that if a white person tells you something, if a white person tells a police officer something and you say something, you better have evidence because you may not believe you due to the color of your skin and their personal bias as police officers. And I do think it's very wrong. Like, you know how hard it is to tell a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old kid that your skin color means you have to be more careful. But that doesn't make sense. You know, even my own sister, she doesn't understand the idea of Black Lives Matter because she thinks, in a way, not, not to protest against our protest, she thinks all lives matter, but she doesn't understand the severity of Black Lives Matter. And she's only eight, you know, but she still have to realize these things that are going on. And so she's slowly but for surely learning what it means to have Black Lives Matter. And she shouldn't have to learn. No. Because ideally, all lives should matter, but it doesn't. You know? Yeah, and that's why. Um, yeah, and that's it's really crazy because when walking into this, like I did not expect anything like this to happen in our very um, own city, and it just it it nothing it doesn't amazes a lie, but it saddens me to like see how um, it was handled by police from Palo Alto and East Palo Alto, um, because knowing with the section where it happened. The East, the East Palo Alto police should have came because that's literally because if something would have happened, East Palo Alto police would have been right there in OTR trying to figure out what to do or take somebody away. So for the police departments and the way that was handled, that also didn't make sense. And so it was like I was very um, I was very that also confused me. It was the situation is very tricky right now because the Palo Alto Police Department is receiving a lot of pressure from. The incident that happened with me and that lady, due to my social media platform and just word of mouth in general, and I was also on the uh, what was the news channel was it NBC I think NBC I was yeah. on NBC News at eleven uh, a couple of days ago, so like they've been receiving a lot of pressure and they've been calling the sheriff himself has been calling my phone and um, mm. trying to work out the details on where I was exactly. I, I personally feel like they're trying to push the issue onto the East Palo Alto Department because the pressure has been applied to them so heavily that it's making them somewhat uncomfortable. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? And I feel like if they push the if they push the issue to another department, it sort of watered down the issue because not everybody can... All the people that have been attacking the Palo Alto Department don't want to go attack, attack the East Palo Alto Department as well, you know? Exactly. And so... Um, my question, my question for you is, um, what did you take, um, what did you take away from all of this? Because you could have taken away that, you know, police pretty much don't care about me. You could have taken away that, um, like, I'm traumatized. You Like, there's a lot that you could took away. So, what did you take away and what are you still trying, um, to figure out? My personal takeaway was just, always keep 
Like, just be more alert, just in general, just because there are people like this, and there are more dangerous people like this, you know, people that can really cause major harm to me and other black people around, and other minorities in general, that will try and cause harm, physical harm to you, with maybe knives, weapons, guns, it doesn't matter. So you just always want to keep an alert eye, you know what I mean? Yeah. it's a cold world out there. So my, that was really my takeaway. Just stay more alert because I did at first. I took it as it was nothing because I didn't think much of her, you know? Yeah. But, I, and then again, I'm pretty trained myself. So I, I didn't, I wasn't really worried, but it was just at the same situation. Was like, I didn't expect her to act in that manner, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah, so, and I know that it could have really, you know, went left because you are also um, a trained boxer, actually ranked the number six in the U.S., which is, uh, now, that's, now that's a conversation itself. So, um, tell me, how, how did you get there? Was it, did you just, like, you know, go meet somebody and they just help you one day? Or, like, what was the process for you? And was it, is this something that you wanted to do? Or, like, how did it come about for you being number six? Um, boxing was always, like, um, it was always something inside me, I feel like. It was a, a personal journey within myself. Because growing up, I had a lot of fights. I fought a lot, consistently. Um, over the smallest things mm. that don't really matter to anybody, you know? Something that's food. <laughs> oh wow I've been there too <laughs> I was trying to tell you I fought from my best friends people I don't even know so <laughs> mm. it was always a long journey but once I really moved in with my dad he tried to find a sport for me to find to like dedicate my time to mm-hmm. because I know if I dedicated my time to something I'd be more focused in life Yeah, and I wouldn't have time to make mistakes it's like get into gang violence or try and claim something that I'm not you know that part so as the boxing as itself it's it's a hard journey you know it takes a lot of discipline a lot of focus a lot of nights where you don't really want to do workouts mm. but you have to a lot of waking up early so wow. it's a crazy lifestyle but to get, become number six and it was a lot it was a hard it's hard <laughs> yeah there's, there's, there's only more room for improvement until i'm number one i won't stop even when i'm number one I won't stop because number one it just begun once I conquer you know yeah and again like when you get number one you it's just begun the pressure has just begun exactly I'm still on a mission right now so it's just day by day hour by hour minute by minute because everything matters you know from the time you sleep to the amount of work to the amount of push-ups you do everything matters to me that part um, so would you would you pretty much say that um, boxing is like a like um, a job for you or is it just like you said something because I know a lot of people um, like again like it just in general like teenagers like us like again we go through stuff or we go through traumatic experiences um, and so we have to do something to distract our minds so is this kind of that um, getaway for you or do you actually just consider this like okay I'm going to treat this like a job now because I know when I'm older I already see where I'm going to level up it's a bit of both. Boxing is more of a necessity for me. Mm. I don't feel it's um, it's it's pleasure within work itself, because from pleasure I receive benefits as if I was working a regular right, nine to five job in a way, you know. But I don't. It doesn't feel like it because I'm I'm working towards my dream. It makes me happy at the end of the day, you know. 
after a hard, grueling workout, I feel good. I feel like I've conquered something. It's not like I went to work and I feel like I feel like shit after, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like right now my body is sore from head to toe, but I still feel amazing because I know one day it's going to pay off. That part. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely important. So for those who are, you know, listening and stuff like that, if they want to, you know, get into boxing and they want to know um, what is the three main keys that you, the three steps to success or keys, how, what would you tell them to anyone, you know, on here that, you know, maybe that been thinking about boxing or they don't know or they just trying to find a way to get that anger out, like you were saying? I just say heart. Heart is the most important. You can't, you can't start anywhere without heart. If you're afraid, you not have a good start in boxing. Focus, uh, focus and determination is, is a key one because a lot of well-talented boxers always fall off to focus. And, you know, just try and find yourself a good support system. Uh, I have my father. My father does support me very heavily. He backs me 100%. As hard as I go, as hard as he goes. Yeah, that's what I wanted to get into. So... Does he is he pretty much also in charge of like the boxing in East Palo Alto or how, what does he do with that? Because I know he's he's involved with your boxing some way, some way, right? Yeah. So I train at the San Mateo actually. Um, I started boxing in East Palo Alto, but I trained in San Mateo at Beach Street Boxing. That's my home gym. And my dad, he's the more like I wouldn't say my coach, but a motivator. Mm-hmm. My dad is a motivator, and we learn together. We study tape together. We watch over my fights. And we get better together. But I do have a head coach. His name is Eddie Croft. He owns Beastie Boxing. And he's more, he teaches me a lot of my fundamentals. And when we figure out things, how we want to get better, he helps us imply those things into my game. So it's a big team I have. It's not really one person. I have a lot of people from all over the Bay Area. But my father is one of the main people who just keeps me motivated. Yes. That's good to know. And, like, who also, so you said it was him, but do you have uh, any other people, you know, I guess you would want to shout out on here for, like, um, you know, being those support for you or anything like that? I got a lot of good people, man. I got my man Joe. He's one of my, he's one of my TNS coaches. Um, I got big supporters like my friend Mike James, one of my longtime friends and trainers, um, Raymond. He's a very, he's from East Palo Alto. Very good guy. Let's see. It's just a whole lot, man. I got fans and support all across the nation. I just want to say thank you to everybody, honestly. Yes. Yes, so yeah. getting... Yes, definitely. And you. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, for those who don't know, like, I've been known Steve, so it's not, like, anything new. Like, we've, like, talked before. Um, so getting into, like, you know, my last couple of questions and then anything else you would want me um, to ask, um, do you see what happened to you? more as a city divide or racial divide and the reason why i say that because again um when we see a city divide it's like i live in the city but are they actually here to help me or is it corrupt but then when we're also talking about others a race divide is it because that i am black that they're choosing not to take me serious and now i've lost hope so what is it for you it's a good question honestly because i feel like Maybe if I was an African-American kid from Atherton, I may have a different answer. Mm. Because I may be allowed to better, I may have different resources in general. I may be, I may know a better lawyer. I may know, I may be friends with the police department. Who knows, you mm-hmm. know? So the city part, that's, that's very tricky and a good question at the same time. Because I don't know what that would look like. But I have a feeling it could be a little different. 
Um, race, I really did feel like it played a factor within the situation also due to um, a lot of police officers not really giving African-American people the credit of what's going on. Even like, even some people that have seen the video, I've had so many DMs, it, I can't even count. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm a black man, why am I scared of a frail white lady? I'm not scared of anybody to let that be known. It's just, it's the point, you know? That part. It, it's it's the principles of things. And for when little things like this happen, we only create bigger situations that lead to mass shootings, lead to people being hung, being shot. Things that shouldn't have happened in the first place because we let little things happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because again, like it just didn't and when I was watching the video, I seen a lot of things I seen pretty much you um trying you were I, what I did notice was that at the beginning you were trying to de-escalate the situation because I know your main goal you were like oh my god oh, like I'm just let me end up you know being this next viral black man that is hurt that was not your goal I could see that you were you know what I'm saying like it was you were trying to tone down but then again you were being provoked and so again for you just you know handling it and then you still being here is a lot because I know I don't know how that how that first night for you after was it that night of was that was it just a regular sleep or how was that it was challenging in a way like I thought about the situation a lot and I think about the bigger picture things a lot like I, I try not to focus on how could this happen to me mm. or what's the odds of this like being me you know because it happens day to day, everybody. It's just that I feel like that I was lucky enough to have to have the platform I have when it happens to me. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I don't like to make myself feel like poor me Mm-mm. because there's a lot of the people out there that have had way worse experiences without the media coverage, without people caring in general. And I just want to bring light to like the whole situation, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, I again, I thank you for coming on here and speaking because, again, you know, you didn't have you didn't have to do it. You could have just said, okay, another DM. But again, you chose to come on this platform um, and share your story. So um, before you get off, is there any last thing? Drop your social media. Tell us anything that's coming up for you and where people can just stay updated with you at. You can follow me on Instagram at too much underscore Johnson T as in T T O O much underscore Johnson not T O. And um, I'm training for the 2024 Olympics. I will be successful. You will see my name everywhere, and I will yeah. be a world champion and an Olympian. So just keep an eye out for me. Yes. Again, we um, we appreciate you coming on to this show. Um, this is like what actually like. You know, one of probably one of the best episode experience I had when having another guest because again we spoke about things that are happening, and you just came to light again. So again, thank you, and we just glad that you're on here. So again, just keep going, and again, if you need this platform again for anything, we're here. And just again, y'all make sure y'all stay updated with him because he, like you said, he's coming up, and I've yeah I've been knew that since the first time I seen him, so there's no doubt. So again, um, thank you, and we appreciate that you for that. Thank you. Yes, and so um, again, this is the Unfiltered DJ Podcast, and we are out.